Hello, my name is Francis Pinder, and thank you so much for watching or listening to the Salesforce Posse podcast, where I speak to Salesforce industry influencers so we can gain a better understanding of how to excel in a career path from a Salesforce admin or developer to an architect. And this episode is a little bit different from my previous episodes, because it is a session that I hosted at London's Calling, a Salesforce community event that I run every year to bring Salesforce gurus and influencers across the ecosystem for a one-day event in London to help us all gain a better understanding of best practice on the Salesforce platform and to help build those long-lasting relationships with Salesforce experts in the world that has really helped me in my career. So this session is a panel discussion on the future of Salesforce careers, what the current demands are, as well as tips and tricks from those in the ecosystem. We have Stuart Mills, who is VP of Trailhead and Ecosystem in EMEA, working at Salesforce. We have Vicky Moritz-Henry, who is a Salesforce consultant and freelance Salesforce trainer based in France. And finally, we have Martin Brown, who is a more newly Salesforce administrator talking about his experience is in his first Salesforce job as well as me on the panel as well. So if you are interested in how to grow your Salesforce career as well as understanding some tips and tricks and stats on the current Salesforce talent economy then you're going to find some value in this conversation with Stuart, Vicky, Martin and myself. So without further ado let's go. Hello, 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 hello. How's everybody? Have everybody been to some good sessions so far? It's been good? Cool, okay. Um, our time is flashing going, why haven't you started yet? And we're thinking, when do we start? When do we start? <laughs> so we're here now. Um, so we're here to talk about the future of Salesforce careers. I haven't got my mobile with me because it's in a different room, but if you do have a question, do post it in the chat and I'm sure Stuart will have a look. Okay. Sorry, Stuart, just putting you on the spot Extra right there. Responsibility. Yeah, so <laughs> we're talking about Salesforce careers, where we started, um, and yeah, and um, any questions you have around starting a career, transitioning a career, what it's like in the kind of ecosystem at the moment, what to focus on. So we're kind of just chatting about that uh, for a period of time. So you've got me, Francis Pinder, who I started in the work Salesforce about 13 years ago, um, and a Salesforce architect now. And we have Martin Brown, who is a beginner admin, I would say. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. Uh, we've got Vicky, and I've written your surname down, because Maurice Henry. Maurice yeah. Henry, is that right? That, that works, Maurice Henry. Good, fine, okay, cool. <laughs> it's actually French, so it's Henri, but yeah. Oh, really? Oh, cool, okay. Little oh, yeah, because you're, you're based in France. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, you've been um, a consultant now, yeah. Yeah, going down the architect path a little yeah, bit, yeah. and then a certified instructor on a, yeah. in my spare time. Absolutely, yeah. well, a bit like me, spare yeah. time teaching people. <laughs> uh, and we've got Stuart Mills, who's from Salesforce, so we can grill him. <laughs> oh, a really that, hard question. You didn't tell me that was what this. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, oh dear, mic pack. Um, so yeah, so um, I think what we'll go start off with just a little bit of our, our stories, how we started, and then we'll kind of get through questions. And, and Stuart's going to hopefully have some stats and things about you know 
the ecosystem as it is at the moment. So uh, do you want to start with who you are, where you are, where you are in your career, yeah, and where you want to go? Yeah, so I uh, was not tech to begin with, definitely not tech. I was a bio major way back in the day, studied French, moved to France, and became an English teacher, because it's really hard to teach the French French. And um, then I became a, an accidental admin, like I think is the case with many, many people in the ecosystem, because we were using Salesforce for all of the teacher scheduling and everything like that, but they weren't using it particularly well. So a bunch of us got on trailhead and started <laughs> to figure things out and came up with a whole bunch of ideas that were bugging the team. And uh, that's how I got started. So then I went into Supermums for a couple of years, did workforce development, and now I am a consultant going down the architect path and teaching the Trailhead Academy boot camps. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. And so, Martin, you're quite new to the Salesforce world, well-ish. <laughs> How did you get started? How did you actually find the Salesforce originally? So I was working for the Christian charity Tear Fund, and uh, they, uh, there was a tax um, change where they used to be based in both the, the UK and Ireland, and so there was a tax change, and so they needed to set, set up a separate Irish um, subsidiary. And uh, it needed to com be completely separate to the UK um, database. And they said, oh, this Salesforce thing, that looks quite good. Why don't you set it up? Accidental admin. Accidental admin. So uh, just setting it all up. But that was in 2012, and I, I did that one project and then went back because I'm more of a developer. And so I went back to doing C-sharp and that sort of thing. And, uh, but then I moved jobs, uh, again encountered Salesforce and really loved it. And so now I've only just been in my new job at CCX for a month and I've finally got Salesforce in my job title. So. <laughs> Brilliant, well done. <laughs> cool, and Stuart? Congratulations on the title, fantastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, really brilliant to be here in the community event. It's incredible, and Francis, thanks for dragging me in. Um, <laughs> so I think so. Uh, um, so today I help uh, run Trailhead and Ecosystem in EMEA. Um, it's uh, my day job, and we frame that up as really helping our customers and partners have access to the talent they need that's diverse and skilled and experienced to deliver on the promise of the technology we have. So today is all about all of that. Um, my own journey with Salesforce started just over 15 years ago. I spent 10 years as a customer, um, bought into Salesforce because it was a technology that really seemed to help us manage our business. Um, and I turned it on, so I got the key. So I became an accidental admin because somebody, and I was on the business side, hadn't worked out that you didn't give the key to the business leader who built the software. Um, so I maintained my admin access for four and a half years before they finally went, what the heck are you doing with your admin access? So they took it away eventually, but um, I am a certified administrator and proudly maintaining it on, on all of those things. Um, uh, 10 years sort of after that, um, ended up joining Salesforce and did three years as a consultant, um, working with some of our biggest customers. And then a couple of years ago, it sort of really crystallized for me that the tech is amazing and it's beautiful and problematic and it can do all sorts of different wonderful things and it will do I can see Charlie in the audience it can see it can do it will do loads more things that we all haven't discovered yet together but we will do um, well Charlie has 
Right, yeah. probably Charlie's. <laughs> Charlie's maybe dreamt about it, so we'll get it. <laughs> um, uh, but the big, biggest difference is the people, right? It's all of you, it's all of us, actually, that make the tech work. And that is the beautiful bit about Salesforce um, and almost the reason why our careers are so powerful, that um, without us, the technology is, um, and hopefully Mark can't hear me, so don't, and don't report me, um, is meaningless, really, just to land it there. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so... I think one of the questions, well, most pressing for me, and one of the reasons why I had you on the stage, is kind of understand a bit more about the kind of UK and EU ecosystem and the demand for jobs and things like that. And I wondered if you had some kind of insight in, into that that you could share. Yeah, well, maybe I, if I start with some numbers, and then it will be yeah, like yeah. both of you for experiencing what it feels like. So, you know, um, You'll have no doubt seen our presentations that talk about 9.3 million jobs in the next five years around the world. So it's like a wow. <laughs> and then you think, well, Salesforce is quite a marketing company. So that's quite a big number, right? The, the equivalent number for EMEA, so Europe, Middle East, and Africa, the bit I look after, is 1.5 million. Um, and that doesn't actually count much resurgence or build in Africa. So we've got a really interesting whole talent pool that's untapped in EMEA um, that is coming online. Right? And we've got one of my most amazing customers is building that talent. 25,000 rangers in one company in Africa. Right? This, this talent is coming. Right? So we're very exciting and not counted even in the 9.3 million. So you know, that, that's exciting to see those dynamics. What we see as a site of that though actually is I would say today I can see and count half a million jobs um, that we, we're going to need in those five years that we can really look at. And about 60% of that is really advanced user roles. You know, people who really understand and use the technology well, set requirements well, design well, and those sorts of things. Um, and then about 20% of that is really where you need a certification, credentialing, and so on. So, you know, hundreds of thousands of roles that are absolutely part of this community coming, coming online. And to just give you sort of break it down into the UK numbers, if it's just where we are sitting, to, and I know most, a lot of people I met last night aren't in the UK. It was like, I thought this was <laughs> London. It feels like you attract loads of people, which is amazing. Um, but, you know, we've got 10,000 certified people in the UK. And for those of you who are new to, and I don't know if it's a show of hands, who's got certified in the last year? Great, welcome, fantastic to have you, right? There, there are l many more roles needed today that need certification than there are even in the market. And one of the things I'm trying to do is make sure all of our customers understand the value of your certifications um, and open up those doors. So a lot of, a lot of roles. Mm. However, I would think that the experience of trying to get them is not easy, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. So is there any particular products that there's demand for? Or is it just general, literally, we just need resource that people that know Salesforce? No, I mean, I think, um, so, So, I mean, with Salesforce's growth, and, and hopefully you all will experience this, there, there's lots of opportunity across everything. I mean, and I, I did my ana look analysis last night again, um, after too many glasses of wine <laughs> chats, but um, there's, there's roles everywhere. I mean, I think the, the, the clouds that are particularly interesting um, right now are marketing and commerce. But the way I would frame that is not that particular cloud. It's that the customer base and actually with Slack and, and thinking about digital HQs, the, um, 
the sort of the more user-centric, so being in front of a customer technologies. So Salesforce, Sales Cloud and Service Cloud often think of back office kind of things, which they aren't, right? Everybody in here knows they aren't. But actually, they can be treated like that by those organizations. But there is this resurgence of this front office, yeah. the real e-commerce and marketing clouds. You know, for those of you who are more technical in mind, going down those routes, getting marketing cloud added to your um, and uh, commerce cloud and things is the way to, you know, at the moment is where there are bigger gaps, um, but lots of opportunity. But the, the frame I have is user-centric. And, and, and I'll finish off, and I'd love to hear the different experiences, is the different role types is there's a couple of designer tracks going on today. It all fits under this. We're getting and seeing much more need to understand the users of our technologies um, again. That was always the, that was why I bought Salesforce. It was, never, it was not a back office tool ever. It was always about understanding users, employees, and customers, and that's really coming in. So actually, a lot of designer roles are coming on stream, which is really interesting. Um, administrators that are truly user serving, not administrators that have become more technical. And then for the more technical roles, I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, hopefully you're seeing it. But yes, look, the, comple the complexity in the technology is because we're seeing many more opportunities to solve bigger problems, right? Mm. Um, and we bought a load of organizations that we're trying to combine at the same time, so that second bit, but, um, cool. but lots of things, I guess. Okay, so um, <laughs> as, uh, I know, as an admin, I always, like, when I'm talking to my students, it's such a, as an administrator, it's such a wide-ranging role. Yeah, as a Salesforce administrator, you know, I know we've got some really junior people that have only just started learning Salesforce in the audience as well, um, but your experience of what an admin is, what do you say if you say, what is your day role being an admin? Either of you. Well, yeah, yeah, so um, my current job, uh, they've already got an organization, a Salesforce organization mm. implemented, and it's been implemented by a consultancy no. that's now um, walked away from the organization. Yeah. So, so my day-to-day -day has just been like getting to, like I've, I've used Salesforce before, so I know the basics, but it's like how have they customized this mm. to, to get used to it? So... Um, yeah, that's what I would say has been my experience from the first month. But I know learning that. and understanding what they're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know later on it will be more going out to the users. Yeah. Um, fortunately, like the two times I've used Salesforce, um, that has been the main work process. So if people don't use Salesforce, they don't have a job. But I know that everyone else talks about adoption. And, mm. and I think in my new role, um, there is going to be a bit more work getting those sort of like grey sort of people that are on the outskirts and sort of drawing them more into Salesforce. Yeah, yeah. cool. So when you start, yeah, Vicky, what are your experiences? Yeah, I'm going to come out as a bit of an imposter here. I was never really an admin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went directly into training and training right. admins. I did a little bit of dabbling in our org. I mm. again got keys to the kingdom and had a play. But... Um, yeah, I would say that that user adoption is one thing that even from the consultancy side, it's really hard getting people into it and everything like that. Yeah, I think it's, it's top of the, I think also it's like the customer experience as well yeah. and the interactions that kind of gets lost sometimes on projects and 
you know, the reason they bought Salesforce suddenly diverges on a project. <laughs> and before you know it, it's something else than what was original purchased for, you know, Salesforce. Oh, absolutely. For. And that sounds like a really nice situation to have where the whole company is bought in. And it is, like you said, yeah. If you don't use it, you don't have a job anymore. Yeah, but that's exactly. not always the case. So yeah. sometimes it is you have to convince people, you have to show them the value, you have to find those quick wins and get some quick wins in first and then be able to deliver a little bit more and iterate off the back of it. Amazingly for my organization, even though they're not technical, talking about a single source of truth, that you don't have this data here and over yeah. here and over here and you have to update every single one of them just updating it once and it flows out to all the organization. I think that's what's actually got them, oh yeah, Salesforce could that be makes sense. That makes sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of, yeah, on, on the architect side, it's always that kind of utopian view of I want to see everything all in Salesforce. Mm. And um, especially for the larger organizations, that's a, a long period of time to get to that point sometimes with data sources everywhere. Um, and even actually I was talking with a client earlier on in the week and it's like the different ways you can integrate and understanding it's not just pushing data into Salesforce. You know, there's other ways you can integrate so you don't have to be shifting data all around but still be able to see in Salesforce that 360 degree view of the customer. Yeah, and yeah. I think that coming from getting new talent into the ecosystem and training new admins in the role, that's something that's really overwhelming when you first get into yeah. it. I don't know about your experience, but there's just so much. Trailhead is huge now. There's yeah. over a thousand modules and badges that you can get. And you, have, you get onto the platform, and a lot of trainees would just get overwhelmed. And I know I did when I first got on, and there were less badges back then. <laughs> so, um, I had no badges. Yeah. Trailhead didn't even exist. We had work. <laughs> books and that was it. Yeah. Three of them. <laughs> but it is focusing and not getting too distracted by everything else out yeah. there and just really focusing in on you on learning the skills that you need to start with and building that foundational knowledge and then starting to go out and explore a little bit. But it is having that tunnel vision. That's yeah really and I think hard. it's it's yeah like for me I'm always a lot more I've forgotten more than I've learned. And so when I'm looking, working with Salesforce, I'm focused on those are the things I need to learn for my job right now, rather than blitzing through a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. But then I'm focusing, moving on, focusing on, so I'm actually doing it in my role as well and reinforcing it and not going, hey, chatbots are really shiny, okay, uh, and then forgetting about it, but then I've already done the trail, <laughs> you know, a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I try to, yeah, yeah, be a little bit more pragmatic when I'm going through trailhead, but yeah. So if there be any good questions asked. I think so. If you're asking lots of good questions. There, there are quite a number here. So I, yeah. I might do Brexit, and then I've got a question for you. Yeah, so, go for it. Because, so there's a question here. Have you seen impact of Brexit on UK market as in delayed projects, movement to EU? So actually, from a talent perspective, um, I'd say it's actually to do with um, lack, of, lack, of, lack of talent in the market that the main delays in projects are happening. Um, uh, Brexit has had its issues which is meaning that there's less talent locally, which is opening up different markets for talent. So from a Salesforce perspective, what we've personally really seen is just incredible growth continued. Actually, the move to digital, to digital for many organizations is accelerating, um, driven by COVID primarily right, in the last couple of years, and to which we see that there's a sort of two and a half years worth of demand um, for talented people to work in the ecosystem, particularly in the UK, 
um, that's needed right now. That's the reason why projects are being delayed, not for Brexit reasons. Um, Brexit has a complex issue for all, all of us, right? Um, so, um, but uh, if you'd like to chat with me about that particular topic, I'm, I'm around <laughs> the rest of the day. But hopefully that'll do. And anybody else want to deal with Brexit, or do you want to? Do you want to have it as, as a France? <laughs> so there's a good question for you, which I think is yeah. for you anyway. Which is where did I, I could go on for breakfast about Brexit for a while, but I won't right now. How did you, Vicky, <laughs> get into training Salesforce to others in a formal environment, and actually for Francis yeah. as well? Yeah. So um, I was a teacher for years, uh, remote teaching and teaching English online, primarily in Latin America. And um, that really segued into my Salesforce because I became an admin and all of a sudden I had this job opportunity to join the Supermums program and uh, be able to use those teaching skills. And I feel like teaching is something that if you're really passionate about it and you really enjoy it, that's what gets me going. I can be having the worst day in the world and then get in front of a class and start teaching students. I'm like, oh, this is an awesome day. That's just upticked my mood. So um, if you have that skill set, that is an awesome thing to bring with you into the ecosystem. And you can really find a niche because there's not too many people who have the training background. And it is something that you can develop, too. So if you have a passion for training end users and whenever you're on a project, that's your favorite part of the project, that might be something to go down and explore a little bit more. Francis, well, I'm turning it around on you. Yeah. Right. He does a bit of training, apparently. A little bit. Somebody told yeah. me the other Every once in a while. I haven't been able to get through the venue yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, my, I used to teach users how to use Salesforce. I'd implement something and then and show it to them. Uh, and no, or if it was a big thing, you know, a bit of a classroom. And that's really kind of where it started. And I was more on the learning technology side. So um, actually, every policeman in the country absolutely hates me because I invent, <laughs> we helped, did a startup in, within the, the police force um, to m see if e-learning would work for the Met Police. And it did. And then Home Office said, could you just roll it out across the country? And we're like, need a little bit more money. And then we did. But then all these police officers who used to go to these country retreats for a week to train, now were doing e-learning between their jobs while, you know, and that's why every policeman hates me. But then, yeah, I was on the technology side and learning about learning technology, um, and then worked for a couple of companies in that kind of side and, and creating a learning experience. And then it was a chance chat with somebody, uh, London's calling, way ago, a long, long time ago, and said, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you do some training online? And I went, uh, oh, okay, yeah, might as well. <clears throat> so, you know, did this training online. And since then, it's just got more and more students on it. And now, yeah, I've literally just hit 100,000 students this week. That's so awesome. it's quite mental. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And then now, yeah, I'm, I kind of literally, it's quite, so earlier in the year, been contracting and doing other things on the side. Um, and I actually start, I've never really had chats with the students directly one-on-one. -on -one, and I started doing this. And I actually found just, because my students are like in 160 countries around the world. So I started talking to these people all over the world and just realizing what a massive transformational thing that Salesforce can have on people. Like, I was talking to one guy, I can't even remember what country it was, it was like Mozambique or somewhere like that, and he was like, I know everybody in my country that does Salesforce. 
there's 20 of us, yeah? <laughs> I feel like I'm on the cutting edge of the cutting edge in my country, and I'm working for a company outside of my country, and the money I make supports me, my family, and my community. And it was like, yeah, I need to do more of this. And this is why, at the beginning of the year, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this full time now and actually accelerate it on and start going from admin to architect and actually moving people through that pipe, but focusing on that kind of architecture side. Because I believe, and actually, if you're coming to um, our, um, the kind of final event next week, the, you know, a little event, world tour, I'm actually doing a talk <laughs> on um, inside every admin and a developer is a hidden architect. Because I really do believe that admins and, and developers can make, are making architectural decisions. They just don't know it. Um, and even like admin roles, consultant roles, and talking to different people, there was like one person I was talking to, and she said, yeah, I'm a consultant, blah, 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 blah. But then I'm like, you're not. You're a business architect. You're changing the way your, these businesses work. And actually, your role is an architect. It's not a consultant. Um, uh, and just understanding that and then being able to go, ah, these are the skills I need to support me in this role, even though I'm a consultant. And understanding that. And, and, and I think, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm kind of working on at the moment. So, yeah. It is, and it's a huge, I love your statement about meeting people, and I know I have a couple of trainees in the audience that I've trained before, but even there's free resources out there, like I do the free certification days. Oh, yeah, completely, yeah, And yeah. It, you sit there and, and discount, I've on the seen, discount on the certification. Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, some people, I don't know if they stick around for the discount voucher or they stick around for me, so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see there. Don't tell yeah. me. I don't want to know. But... <laughs> Yeah, it is having three, four hundred people on and then being able to have that impact and spread the knowledge Amazing, and yeah. be able to... And they tell their friends who tell their friends. They and do, and, and I love getting yeah. all of the messages afterwards of people saying, oh, I got certified after it, yeah. and that is just absolutely lovely. Uh, yeah. When I feel low, I yeah, crack out LinkedIn or, or whatever and just go, oh, yeah, <laughs> they got certified, they've got certified, mm. and it is, yeah, great feeling. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I... Literally, and also the Salesforce platform is massive, yeah? If any of you out there just want, even if you're a different language or whatever, that you know you can focus in on your own community in a certain area of, of Salesforce and you've got knowledge on it, literally put some training up there. You know, YouTube videos, whatever, and, and actually get the word out. Because I think, yeah, it is... Amazing. Yeah, and I don't feel like I know a subject until I'm able to teach somebody else how to do it. And then I feel like yeah. I know it even better once I've taught it a couple of times. So that's a great way to learn, too, is by sharing yeah, that knowledge absolutely. back out there. And it is giving back to the community at the yeah. same time and just putting presentations like this out there. Like, come speak at an event. Yeah, that was You've my stuff selfish side of the, yeah. also doing the architect thing, because I want to head for my <laughs> CTA, you see. So actually, if I teach you everything, all the yeah. certs and everything, and everything mm -hmm. all, know all that, then... I really know it for the yeah. GTA. So yeah. so, yeah, sorry, any other questions? I feel like there was a dangerous question to ask these two, wasn't it? <laughs> Martin, have you started teaching yet, or are you in? No, uh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to get them soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's more just like uh, introducing people in the organization about Salesforce, so I guess that's yeah. training in a way. It, it is, yeah. and, I, and I think the, maybe the last thing I tell on this one is the the incredible thing I see in the community and just so many examples of people lifting behind them and 
putting their hand out and bringing the next person forward. And if you can do that, you, your, your knowledge might be a little bit more advanced than the next person, is bring them forward. If you think, uh, one of the things I talk about with recruiters is, why do you have 10 years of experience on your CV with a technology that changes six times in two years? What does it mean, right? It's the, you really need to define and look for people who are continually learning. Yeah. I mean, Gasper just made this point downstairs and looking for diverse talent is actually constant learners. These guys are constant learners, and I, I suspect everybody in here is. Actually showing people what that means with a technology like Salesforce will bring you a, a career that is maintained for the future. Yeah. Um, not everybody's suited <coughs> to teaching, so we should probably sort yeah, of no. as well move on from that, but, but putting your hand back into the next one. Um, there's one specific question. Is there a push from Salesforce to maximize their footprint in the northwest of the UK? So who, who's out there from the, the northwest? <laughs> Um, right at the back, <laughs> fantastic. Um, actually, regionalization and actually in globalization in terms of thinking internationally is a, is a big topic for Salesforce at the moment and really thinking, and Isara, our CEO in the UK, is very cognizant that we have a, Salesforce has a big presence in London. Um, however, we have staff all over the country um, and across us all in this room, not just yourself, I suspect, there are many people all over the UK and all over Europe <laughs> work from anywhere isn't just a tagline from Salesforce. It is absolutely a belief that we are following through. And for Talent Alliance members, organizations of Salesforce Talent Alliance who have committed to inclusive hiring, thinking about different places as well as different people is critical. So I hope that there is much more to come in terms of regional footprint and things like that. I don't know, we're gonna be setting up offices all over the place, to be honest, and I don't think that's a signal of any intention anymore, right? Just because there's a tower in London doesn't mean we're not as committed to other parts of the country. So, um, but if you need a, maybe a, a um, Manchester, calling. Manchester yeah. Newcastle um, calling, is that, are we getting close enough to the Northwest up there? <laughs> we're okay, okay. A lot of my family is up in the Lake District, so maybe, you know, we'll do a Lake District on a mountain or something. Lakes calling, yeah, Tahu lakes calling is beautiful. Yeah. What about Derwent water? Derwent. That's another. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I live in the middle of nowhere, France, so I'm not north uh, UK, but I've been work remote working for the past 12 years. And Salesforce is really nice that it is something that you can do distance, so that might be something that opens up a few paths mm. as well, and the flexibility that you can have by being able to connect from anywhere and call into Zoom calls and really be able to but do your job. I feel that working from home still hasn't quite you know, we still got to see all the implications from that. Mm. But I think one of the big ones is outsourcing away from the UK to the up and coming countries. How do people sort of see that happening? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think because of COVID, I don't know, this is my own personal experience. I've just lost something on the floor. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the, it's, it's become more, more accessible, that it's more of a thing that we can do. But I think it's more near sourcing rather than the other side of the world kind of thing. Um, but yeah. yeah. But it also, is time zone considerations too yeah, sometimes exactly. and things like that, but it is allowing companies to, to really invest in the best talent rather than just the closest talent. So it's opening up some doors there. I think also there's, there's a lot of people, or certain people I know, that are niching down to certain areas mm. and getting really known for that, and actually just working remotely with loads of customers, you know, across the world, because that's they're just brilliant at customer experience using Pardot or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, and yeah, so I see that happening as well. Yeah, so. it is. But generalists, developers, architects, yeah. I think, but, but, I, but I think also, sorry, one last thing, yeah, it's kind of like, I think it's a progression that people make. So you functionally know Salesforce and understand it, great. But then it's that uh, transition into being um, a trusted advisor with the company you're working for or where you are so that they actually trust your experience and you're actually solving problems for them. And then after that, there's the vital for the business, which obviously the business doesn't want you to become vital for their business. But when you're in that vital category, you know, holiday doesn't matter anymore. You can take as much holiday as you like. You know, they know that you are the, you know, things have to run through you to just check, is that right? Is that, are we doing it correctly? Yeah, yeah, oh, we've got this problem. How do we do it? Oh, just do this, this, and this. And once you're in that, then, yeah, you're kind of made, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, the, 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 um, the near shore and within the same time zone, bit to your question, Martin, actually, I love the fact that we're asking each other questions. This is not normal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that the time zone piece of yeah. this, we're just definitely seeing that where traditionally you may have outsourced um, say to India or other places that there is a competitive advantage. Um, but I would say, you know, within countries, obviously legal boundaries do matter where you have the right to work. I mean, um, is still important, but within that zone. So for example, you could be in the north of Scotland. Um, I was on the Isle of Butte last year um, telling people you could, you could have a great job in technology from here. Why the, the Wi-Fi is, sorry, the, the broadband Wi-Fi is dependent <laughs> on the thing, but the, the broadband was amazing. Like, why, why could you be? And actually, it loads better because nobody really uses it as much up there. So you get really high bandwidth. I know in the late districts, it's incredibly fast. Whereas yeah. London, in Wimbledon, yeah. Yeah. But you see, my experience of the time zone is that we were sort of developing things um, day by day. And so they would come, um, we, we were dealing with Indian people. So they would be working really early in the morning, sort of like 5 a.m. Yep. And so they would sort of develop stuff and then come back to us in the morning and we could sort of like test it during the day. And then at the end of the day, we'd have all the changes we wanted and they would yeah. do it overnight. So it's not always... Say, yeah, because I actually, yeah. I was working in New Zealand for a sales company in the UK and literally the hours are polar opposite, yeah? And actually, yeah, it worked quite well because I was working into the evening because then that's when they were kind of awake to get the requirements, you know, business. But then during the day, I had no interruptions. I could literally focus on doing the work, getting it done. And yeah, it was quite, quite, but I think you do have to be, if you're working on your own remotely like that, you have to be definitely a bit more, you know, disciplined and, you know, focused yourself. Yeah. Communication is definitely the key there too. That's one of the things that Slack has opened up more asynchronous communication and really making sure that you're getting the right people in the room yeah. still. And that's really important. I think we haven't really talked about like the softer skills yeah. that we need. And I, I always find, yeah, it's all those softer skills, how you communicate with different stakeholders, what is the, you know, understanding what their views and viewpoints are so that you come prepared to answer them in the correct way. Um, but yeah. So maybe we could be crystallized. I'm looking at the I know, well. it's yeah. starting to flash now. <laughs> so what about, what are the, if you had to name five key skills for future careers, what would, what would, what they be and come around? And then I think communication, um, 
understanding of the business and industry. So if you're in that particular industry, knowing all the acronyms and stuff like that. Um, constant learner, mm -hmm. yeah? So you're constantly learning and understanding. Um, also, creativity. So knowing, I, and I know it's a hard thing to say, but you, you want, you, you've got this toolbox of loads of different tools in Salesforce, and you've got this business problem, and there's a load of different ways you could solve it. But how do you creatively create a solution that you know is going to be fit for the future without really knowing what the future is? Mm -hmm. And I always think that's a quite a creative thing to do. Um, I always ask customers, well, how, where do you see yourself in five years? And that's what we want to build yeah. for, really. Yeah. Yeah. Although not really knowing what, well, COVID now is. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that threw a span in the works. Yeah. But, <laughs> but then being iterative and being knowing, mm. you can, yeah, you can change yeah. it. But yeah, um, yeah, I think so. Uh, Martin, what do you think about with that? Well, I, I think what you'd mentioned earlier about trust, yeah. isn't it? It's that getting alongside people. And so you're not the techie kind of um, person that's in the basement eating pizza and stuff, <laughs> that you're actually alongside people. I really like, um, the one thing I did like about working physically was actually moving desks and sitting in yeah. the area and just hearing what people are saying, like, oh, why isn't this working again? Sometimes they don't have the confidence to actually come up and say, this keeps breaking all the time. I think also, they, they, you, know, you go, oh, how do you do your job? And they'll tell you what they should be doing rather than what they do do. Um, and so actually being in the room, I used to do passive kind of analysis where I'll be kind of interviewing one person, actually looking at somebody else and seeing how they use the system. It's quite enlightening on actually, yeah, we use this chat to send messages to us for tasks, but they're just sending post-it notes. You know, they don't use it at all, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, I'd love to get to the stage where it's, it's um, socially accepted that you can just, like, be on a Zoom call, just, like, not being part of the meeting, but just listening in and hearing what's going on. Yes, yeah, so you I think that's... What's the... What's happening? Yeah, it's always, like, open Zoom calls. Everything is transparent. Yeah, transparency. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Utterly, yeah. Being transparent is always a great... And I don't know a word for it. You'll have to help me out with the adjective that would fit. But it would be raising your hand for everything, too. Yeah. Being that person that raises your hand and says, oh, yeah, I'm interested in that. Or even yeah. just, oh, we want to do a new implementation with a new tool. Do you know that? No, I don't. But let me go find out yeah, some yeah. things. And that opens a lot of doors. Yeah. And even raising your hand for coming to events like this. And, uh, and do you, you want to speak caveat. on a panel? <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, caveat, you can still caveat and say, look, I, I can learn up about it and stuff yeah. like that and yeah but you get that reputation as well for being the person who wants to learn new yeah. things so it is a tying into that learner's problems. mindset but it, it is it ties in with the trust as well is you're becoming that trusted person who everybody knows oh if they don't know it now they'll know the right people then coming back to networking is really important as well maybe they know the right people to help them out or ask questions or they know how to go off and get the information because there's so much out there yeah yeah Sometimes. we haven't mentioned the london user group yet no all the trailblazers <laughs> user groups which i think most people know about but yeah immersing with your yeah immersing with the trailblazers and learning from people best practices and all the stuff yeah again it's moving that dial from functional this is how it works to actually this is the best practice don't ever use multi-select pick lists or do you know, you know, those kind of stuff. You know, the reasons why 
is best practice and stuff, which, yeah, trail, yeah community groups are brilliant for. Yeah. There's a the peer to peer learning is such a big yeah. topic, isn't it? And there's a, a question on, on here around um, adoption for talents from uh, refugees or uh, people who've lived in war zones and almost a sense in this question around being unfamiliar with the Salesforce economy, like there's this massive opportunity. The, the one challenge I have is so for Salesforce, open door to anybody from any background from anywhere in terms of a career opportunity. And one of the things for me is that we're trying to make sure the technology is accessible and the learning is accessible. But it's up to communities like this to welcome everybody in because actually a lot of learning happens by peer-to-peer. -peer. And a lot of recruitment happens through peer-to-peer -peer learning as well. So if you're the person who asks that question, open door, please. And if you're not seeing those open doors, then people like myself, I'd love to hear from you um, and, uh, and work that through. Um, there's, a, there's a sort of a, a question around, I think we're, yeah. we're nearly there, aren't we? So actually, yeah. Francis, you should finish us off, shouldn't you? Or well, ask the final question. question. Go, go oh, for okay. it, yeah, go for final it. Final question. All right. Um, should we do, the, we'll do the, so there's a few questions on people who are trying to work with school children, trying to convince them that the Salesforce ecosystem is a great place to, to be, to work, and so on. Um, so early, early career stuff. How, how early? School children. Well, I have a view. Let's so go with my view personally. Six to eighteen, sixteen to eighteen, sixth formers. Sixth form. Oh, okay, sixth formers. Yes, definitely. I think er any earlier than that, and I think the tech moves on so quickly that it's more learning the building blocks of technology rather than an actual specific technology. So. Otherwise, it's just wasted. It's like even when I was at university, I did a computing degree. And I knew full well, at the beginning of the computing degree, when I left, the beginning stuff would be pretty much useless. Yeah? Which it was. The university was really good. And it was all that fundamental object orientation, stuff that you know is hopefully going to last longer. But yeah, it's that understanding what IT is, code, and stuff. Mm. Because even, you know, we're teaching kids right now in schools what they need to know in 20 years' time, yeah, when they actually leave and get a job. And it's like bonkers that, for me, I think creativity and stuff like that needs to be right at the top, because once we've automated everything, once code's been pushed further away, what do we have? Creativity and how you use solutions and stuff like that. So that should be the bedrock of you know, learning right now in schools. Yeah, maybe but focusing on the soft skills too as yeah, well. Exactly. Building yeah, up those communication definitely. skills. How do you uh, speak to other people in a business meeting and things like that? And I know even. as well. It's yeah. good. You know, you learn from it. And it's, it's actually a good thing, not a, oh, you've lost, you've you know, and it's all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And it's really flashing now, going, yeah. get off the stage. <laughs> but guess what? I'm on the stage next. So, um, yeah. I'm back later on to here, too. All right. <laughs> you can just stick around. Cool. So, yeah, so that is it. Thanks a lot. Hope you learned something. Um, and, yeah, we'll be around. So if you want yeah. chats or whatever at the front, or, or yeah. You have to dive off, I think. But, yeah. I'll be back in a couple yeah, of Yeah, they're back. But, yeah. Um, yeah. That's it. Thank and you for so anybody much. who asks those questions about finding people, just come find us later. Yeah, literally, if you yeah. have any more questions, just come find us. Yeah, yeah, all cool. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs>
Thanks for watching or listening to the Salesforce Posse podcast. Now, please, 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 if you like or what you see or hear, then please rate this podcast in your podcast player as it tells me that there are people out there that actually are listening to this and that it's useful to them. Also, it helps the podcast algorithms to kind of elevate the podcast in the different podcast directories, which will be really helpful for me as well. And finally, if you do have a question that you want to ask on the podcast, then head to salesforceposse.com slash message and maybe you'll appear in the next podcast. But apart from that, thanks for listening and until next time, ta-ta!